Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Mark, the gospel record of Mark, and chapter number 7. The gospel record of Mark and chapter number 7. We're continuing with this series of going through and walking through the gospel record of Mark. And remember, as we go through the gospel record of Mark over and over, we see the actions of Jesus Christ. And what we're going to hit tonight is an unusual story. You know, sometimes we have in mind how we expect God to react. All of us have that from time to time that we have in mind. If we do this, this is how Jesus is going to react. When you do this, this is how Jesus is going to react. But in the story that we have here, we should show that Jesus works a little bit different than what we expect or plan for Jesus to do. And I want us to encourage our faith as we examine this passage. So if you don't mind to look with me in the gospel record of Mark in chapter number seven, the gospel record of Mark chapter seven, and notice with me starting at verse number 24. The gospel record of Mark chapter 7 and verse 24. And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. And the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and he, she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take of the children's bread, and to cast it unto the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yea, yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs." And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her place, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we see in Mark chapter 7 and verse number 28? Mark chapter 7 and verse number 28. And I want you to note, notice the phrase at the very end, children's crumbs. Children's crumbs. And with this, I want to preach a message here of just a crumb. Just a crumb. And if you don't mind, let's go together to the throne room of grace. Thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And I am thrilled and excited to be here to open up your word. And I'm looking forward to this message. I'm thankful for the principle of this message and how it's always been a help to me. And I'm praying that it would turn around and be a help to other folks as well. That you would encourage their faith. That they would see you high, holy, and lifted up. And recognize that you're a God who knows what he's doing at all times. Again, I don't want to preach this message. I don't want to get so excited that I preach this in my own flesh, in my own strength, in my own power. So the best I know how, I surrender myself to you and ask that you, you fill me with your precious spirit. 
And that you, once again, can get your own work accomplished through your precious word. And in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you wouldn't mind, I would like to take time to look at this passage in the parallel accounts. So if you won't, don't mind, we're going to spend our time in the gospel record of Matthew. The gospel record of Matthew in chapter number 15, where it fills in a couple more details within this story. And I want you to turn with me to the gospel record of Matthew chapter number 15. And we want to look at a parallel passage to where we were at in Mark chapter 7, because I really want you to understand and get the details of this account, that it could be a help to you. So the gospel record of Matthew chapter 15, the gospel record of Matthew chapter 15, and notice with me in verse number 21, the gospel record of Matthew chapter 21. And and Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. So now as we paint the picture, we can see that Jesus has traveled north of Galilee, outside of the Israel area, and he has gone to the old Phoenician area with the principal cities of Tyre and Sidon. Now the principal cities of a of this area, the the Phoenicians, was completely different than the nation of Israel. They were not of the same um, ethnicity. They were different. The Phoenicians had set up colonies all throughout the Mediterranean Sea, including the famed city of Carthage. They had very much a great influence in sea traders. If you remember, this is the land where Jezebel had come from. Her dad was the king of Tyre during the time. And so here is a people that is not Hebrew people. And yet Jesus has gone north, uh, presumably, according to the gospel record of Mark, to get away from everyone. Remember, he tried to take a vacation and everyone found out where he was at and they all bombarded him. So we have to leave the country. Let's go somewhere where they don't know who I am. Well, that didn't work either. And so he goes to this northern country, goes to the city of Tyre and Sidon, and here he has an appointment with a lady. The very first thing I'd like to show you here is the request of the Syrophoenician woman. The request of the Syrophoenician woman. Notice with me again as we hit verse number 21. And Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast. Now again, in the gospel record of Mark, it gives more details concerning this lady. It says that she had come from a Greek lineage. So her parents or grandparents along, uh, along the lineage was Greek. But she had found a home and was living in Tyre and Sidon. She was a Syrophoenician with, from a Greek stock. And she comes to Jesus, came and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Now that's a big deal for a Canaanite, a lady who is not Hebrew, to come to Jesus and acknowledge his lineage. He is the son of David. Remember that God had given a promise to David that he would always have someone to sit upon the throne. And Jesus is the fulfillment of this promise. She's recognizing the lineage. She's recognizing that he is the one of, of promise. He was the one that was said before. And by faith, she's coming up to him and saying, I know who you are. You're the God who can answer my prayers. She's heard about the fame of Jesus and what he's done. And she's come to Jesus, fell at his feet, the Bible says in the gospel record of Mark. And she says, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Now, most 
parents from one time or another are convinced that their kids are filled with the devil. But she actually has her daughter who is possessed of a devil. And she's come so desperate that she's come to a Jewish man for help. Instead of going to her gods, everything else that she's tried hasn't worked. She's heard about Jesus. She's heard about his fame, how he's cast out devils, how he's done things before. She besought him and came and she gives this request. She comes to where Jesus is at. His disciples are there gathered and she comes to him and says, please, can you help me? Can you help me? My daughter, she's possessed of a devil. Can you heal her? Now that's the request, a simple request. Jesus has done it before, over and over and over. He's cast out devils from the children. He's cast out devils from people. This is something within his realm. He's done it before. So what is the response that we see of the Lord Jesus? We start off with the request of the Syrophoenician woman, but now we come to the response of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is where our idea of how things work differ from what happened. Normally we would see this in our minds. Someone comes to Jesus. Jesus heal my daughter. And next passage we're expecting to see. And the daughter is healed. They go their way. Everyone celebrates. But that's not what occurs. Notice what occurs in verse number 23. But he answered her, not a word. Not a word. So she comes up to Jesus. There's not a big crowd. Jesus and his disciples are pretty much there by themselves. There's not a huge crowd. There's not a lot of activity. So Jesus' attention is not divided. It's not like he's so busy he's ignoring her. She comes up to him directly falls down at his feet and says, can you heal my daughter? And the Bible says, and he answered her, not a word. Have you ever prayed to God and it felt like he wasn't answering your prayer? Have you ever talked to God and say, God, what do I have to do to get your attention? I want to remind you that you don't have to get God's attention. He knows what you're saying. He knows what you're asking. And he knows what he's doing. You see, he's doing something in here. We have to recognize that by faith. Now, we know that there are some people who teach that God says no. Wouldn't that be horrible for this Syrophoenician woman? That Jesus goes, that she goes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, heal my daughter. She's possessed of a devil. And she doesn't hear any answer. And so some loving person says, no, Jesus said no. There's no, nothing you can do about your daughter. There's no hope. Don't even bother praying anymore. You know, there's some people that teach that. Now, they may not be as blunt as that, but they teach that Jesus says no. But that's not what this passage is saying at all. He answered not a word. Because Jesus knows something and there's something he's trying to get accomplished. Now, Initially, we don't know what's going on and the disciples don't know what's going on. But I want you to have that in mind. This, G, this lady falls down at Jesus' feet. It's not like he can ignore. It's not like there's so many people. She's right there on her knees begging Jesus, please heal my daughter. And he answers not a word. Silence. Nothing. 
Well, the disciples start reading the room and start thinking that his silence means to say no. Remember, there's some people who teach that. His disciples thought that's exactly what was going on. Well, she sees that Jesus isn't answering her, so she goes to them. Okay, Jesus won't answer. Surely if I go to the disciples. And she starts bugging the disciples. Can you ask Jesus to heal my daughter? How about you? Can you heal... Can you ask Jesus? Can you guys do anything? Can you do something? And she starts talking to every one of them. Finally, she's bugging them the whole time. Notice again in verse 23. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Jesus, do something with her. She's bugging us. Send her away. Tell her just to go away. She's not going to stop until you say something. Just send her away. Isn't that horrible? This lady has a real need. Her daughter is possessed of a devil. It's not like something you can live with. This is something that has to be taken care of. And she's going to the one who could take care of it. But she goes to him and he answers her not a word. He ignores her. And then the disciples are there. And you can almost see them. Nope, don't look at me. Don't look, don't look. And she comes up and starts asking them and bugs them. And she's crying out. And she's not leaving until the request is done. And his disciples, they're getting bothered by her. Isn't it horrible from time to time when people bug us? They have a need and they bug us. We shouldn't be bugged by it. But the disciples are like, send her away. Make her shut up. Send her away. And she's listening to this. Now, again, the attention, I want you to look at her perspective. She asks Jesus and he answers not a word. Then the disciples start talking about her to Jesus. Send her away. She's a pest. She's bothering us. Send her away. Now, I don't know about you. Would you quit then? Fine, this is useless. But what God is actually doing, it sounds different, but he is strengthening her faith by this silence. By this. She's becoming more desperate. And she's more determined to get Jesus to answer the prayer. There's something about this that sometimes God waits for us to finally say, I need you. Sometimes we go to the Lord with prayer request and we have in our mind what we want God to do. But God says, no, I got to wait until you are ready to have what I give to you. So he says nothing. The disciples start talking about her and he still answers her not. Finally, in verse 24, but he answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, when he says this, he is not talking to her. He talk, he's talking to the disciples. The disciples were beseeching him. And he turns around and says, listen, I'm not here to answer prayer requests from Gentiles. That's not what I'm sent here to do. Think about that. She's come up and she's asked Jesus of a request. He hasn't said anything. When he finally speaks, he's not speaking to her, but he says, I'm not here to answer her prayer request. How would you like to hear that? I'm not here to answer her prayer request. She's on her own. 
Would you storm out then? Would you quit? So often we quit after just one prayer request. Oh, didn't have anything to it. Bye. But she's desperate. This is a prayer request that has to be answered. And he answered her not a word. She bugs the disciples. The disciples said, can you do something about her? She's bugging us. He goes, not my job. It's not what I'm here to do. Now she's really getting desperate. Verse number 25. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Help me. Now before she was asking for her daughter. She had a request for her daughter. But now she's coming to the place, help me. Help me. I need fixed. You know, so often when we pray for others, it's because we're trying to fix them. You ever have someone you try to fix? And you go to the Lord and say, God, fix them! God says, that's not what I'm here to do. You see, what Jesus is doing is he's trying to get her attention and let her see that the biggest need is not for her daughter to be fixed. The biggest need she has is her own need for the Lord. Help me. How did this happen? It was because of the way that God did not answer her prayer. And it did not drive her away, but it brought her closer to the Lord. Help me. Help me. But it's not quite done yet. Now, remember there's other people in the room. Jesus is not just working on this lady, but he's also working on the disciples. Watch this. Now, he starts off by not saying a word. When he finally speaks, he speaks to the disciples and not her. She gets back into Jesus' face. She's worshiping him and says, help me. Now, finally, he answers her in verse 26. But he answered and said, it is not meat or it's not proper. It's not good to take the children's bread and to cast it from the dog. So here's the idea. that It's the idea that he's a loving father. And as a loving father, he's prepared good gifts for his children. Sounds familiar? Luke chapter 11. He's prepared good gifts for his children. And so I want you to imagine your kids. You have your kids there and they go, mom, I'm hungry. Your response is it's supper time. I'm going to feed you. And so supper time comes and you feed. Next thing you know, there's the stray dog that's outside. And the dog starts clawing at your door. It's not your dog, but it's the stray dog. Is it right to say, hey, you know what? I know you guys are hungry kids, but you know what? There's a dog out there and he's a mangy mutt and he knocks down trash cans and he's the pest. You know what? I'm going to take your plate. You don't need it. You're going to be fine. And go give it to the dog. That's the picture that's being set here. It's not proper for me to take what is good for my kids, what has been prepared for my family, and go give it to the magey mutt that's outside. Now, when he finally addresses her, what does he call her? A dog. To the Hebrew mindset that you had two classes of people. Well, three if you counted the Sumerians. But you had God's people. We Jewish people, we're God's people. 
And to their mindset, anyone who was not God's people were dogs. And he insulted her. So I want you to think about this lady. She gives a prayer request to Jesus. She goes to the proper person, asks. He answers, not a word. When he finally speaks, he speaks not to her, but he talks about her. When he finally does address her, he calls her a dog. Would you be done with that? You say, well, that's the kind of God that I have. Forget that. I'm done with this. I don't need to stand here and take this. But God is doing something. And the whole time it's actually drawing her closer to her. It is increasing her faith. And it's going to teach the disciples a lesson. Because all they see is someone who is a dog and someone who's a pest. But that's not what Jesus sees. Notice this. Her response, so Jesus said, it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. Verse 27, and she said, truth, Lord, that's true, God. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And she goes, you know what? You may, I may be a dog, but all I need is a crumb. All I need is a crumb. I don't need all the stuff that you prepared for your children. I'm not trying to take away from them. But all I need is a crumb. What great faith that was. All I need is a crumb. You know, sometimes when we have our problems, we have our situations, they look so big because they're right in front of our face. Someone said, there's no such thing as minor surgery if it's happening to you. If it's happening to you, it's major surgery. Because it's happening to you. To other people, you may have a small problem. But because it's your problem, and it's right there, it is huge and overwhelming. And if you keep staring at that problem, it gets bigger and heavier and impossible and unsolvable. But what we have to do is put a, as a matter of perspective. What we have to do is look past the circumstance and see the God of the circumstance. You understand that to answer the biggest prayer request that you have is nothing but a crumb to God. What is a crumb? A crumb is a leftover piece of debris. It's what's left over when the cookie monster is finished with the cookies. It's nothing. A crumb doesn't satisfy you. Let me prove it. When we get out of church, most of you are going to go eat somewhere. And when you're done, you may look around and say, look, there's a little piece of a crumb. I'm going to die and starve to death if I don't get that big piece. Is that what happens? That crumb is just something that falls over. It's leftover debris. But that's all that is necessary. Just a crumb is all that's necessary to solve your biggest problem. Sometimes we look at our problems and our situations and we get to the place where they're so big that even God can't fix it. And when we get to that place, we're saying there's no hope. I'm glad that things are not dependent 
on the size of our problem, but it's dependent on the size of our God. And our God is so big. And our problem is so small. And that all that is necessary, all that is necessary to fix that thing is just a crumb. Here's this lady who was ignored, talked about, and insulted. And yet she still has enough faith to say, all I need is a crumb. I'm not asking for everything. It's not mine to have. But surely I can get a crumb. So we start off with the request of the Syrophoenician woman. Which brings us to the response of the Lord Jesus. We finally follow up with how it ends the reward of her faith. The reward of her faith. Notice with me verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Great is thy faith. Do you know who just heard Jesus say that? The disciples. These are the same guys that were trying to usher her out. These are the same guys that said, Jesus, she's bothering us. And Jesus said, wait a second. Great is her faith. She may not look like the person that you want to minister to. She may be super annoying. But her faith is bigger than yours. Because she has the right perspective. She understands she has a big God. Let me tell you something about faith. Faith is not required about how much faith you have. All right. So when we're talking about great faith, it's not the idea that my faith is so big. The idea, the matter of faith is not how much faith you have, but the object you're placing it into. She said, my God's big. And Jesus said, great is your faith. Because you're trusting in the right object. God is big enough to handle it. He's teaching the disciples that. But for her, what does she get? It says, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thy wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. God delivered her. Delivered the daughter. And as far as we could tell in history, she was the first Gentile convert during Jesus' earthly ministry. She's in heaven now. She was forgiven of her sins because she came to the place, Jesus is working on her, where she realized that her biggest need was not for her daughter to get, say, or to get delivered. Her biggest need was that she needed Jesus. And when she understood that Jesus was the one to answer prayer, Jesus is the one that she needed. And when you have Jesus, you have all of the prayer requests answered that you need. When you have Jesus, you have the money that you need. When you have Jesus, you have the answers you need. When you have Jesus, you have the wisdom you need. When you have Jesus, it is the answer to all your prayers. That more than we need things, we need Jesus. As a side thing... For those Christian workers, let me remind you that those people that we're working with are not pests in God's eyes. 
You may think that person at work is so annoying. Why don't they just shut up? But you know that God loves them. God wants to work in them. (laughs) And it may be the idea that their simple life may actually believe in a bigger God than you do sometimes. We have a big God. And God wants to work in all people. They don't have to be the people that you think need to be in church. It doesn't need to be the people that you have in mindset of good people. But God loves all people. And we need to be reaching out to all people and loving all people. But as it comes to our request, and all of us have prayer requests. Many of you have been giving prayer requests. Many of you have been living with these prayer requests for a while. Let me tell you that all that is required is just a crumb. Maybe some of you tonight just needed that change of perspective. That you've been looking at this problem and it just seems to be so big and so heavy and you're losing sleep over it. Your thoughts are consumed with it and you put more thoughts on your problem than on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you look at it and you've checked it out from all angles and you kicked it a couple times and say, this is big. I can't do anything about it. Well, let me tell you, God can. And it's just a crumb to him. It's not a big miracle. It's not going to suck out all of God's energy to solve that one thing. God's not going to run out of gas to solve your problem. It's just a crumb. Just a crumb. You understand that if you go to God by faith in that manner, say, God, can you take care of this? This is just a crumb. You actually believe that God can take care of it. Just a crumb. Just a crumb. Sometimes, again, we get our eyes on the problem. We just need to get it off and look at the God who's bigger than anything you have. Again, there's a lot of things that's been going on. And many of you have requests. I could almost look at you and your family and say, this is what you've been asking for. This is what's on your heart. This is what's on your mind. These are the things you're dealing with. You're looking at this and say, I don't know how it's going to be solved. It's just a crumb. Maybe tonight you just need to go to God by faith, just like this Syrophoenician woman, and fall at Jesus' feet and say, all I need today is a crumb. Can you just give me that crumb? It'd be amazing what God can do by faith. Just a crumb. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920. 920- 
480-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.